Welcome to the What Now podcast, where we document our journey through chiropractic. Our goal is to give you, the new chiropractor, our firsthand experience in running a principled, cash-based practice right out of school. Join us as we bring you real perspective, lessons learned, and the leading names in the profession as we build the practices of our dreams. Yo, 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 everybody. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the What Now podcast. Uh, Spencer back here with Empower Chiropractic. We got Zach in the studio. What's up, man? In the booth. In the booth. Pretty good. Post-Christmas. Enjoying it. Uh, Yes. Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. Happy New Year. Uh, Happy holidays. Whatever you guys celebrate. Uh, Valentine's, Easter. All of it. July. We'll just get them them all out of the game. Hanukkah. Yep. Hanukkah. Hanukkah. So we're super excited uh, for you guys today. This is an episode I feel like has been a long time coming. We have a really awesome guest on the podcast today. Zach, tell everybody kind of who we have today and what they're going to be hearing. Yeah, in case you heard that voice whisper Hanukkah, um, we are joined today by the one and only Dr. Trevor Stewart. Sorry, Travis Stewart. Um, Longtime friend, longtime mentor of both Spencer and I. Uh, Personally, before we get into his intro, he was probably second or third person I met at Parker that was someone that I saw on campus and I was like man that guy doesn't wear shoes he's really good at adjusting super knowledgeable I need to be around him more often Um, and so he introduced me into Kairos training culture uh, guided me through that process and has been a mentor and a friend ever since so I'm super excited as I know Spencer is to have Dr. Travis Stewart, the owner of Move Chiropractic and Yoga now for three years, as we were talking offline, he's, he's made it into that uh, 13th percentile of businesses. Um, he graduated from Parker University in August of 2020, as I'm sure we'll talk about uh, that time, uh, as well as started naturally coaching on what he's learned almost a year ago. His practice, Move Chiropractic and Yoga, serves the general population, and he has the burning desire currently for radical self-discovery welcome on to the what now podcast dr travis stewart thank you guys appreciate that thanks for the intro i think last time people don't know that what we recorded an episode i don't know like six months ago it was you and i <laughs> and we we realized it, it wasn't great quality for uh the what now um i don't know kind of your, your guys's mm-hmm. uh shtick and we uh, didn't release that episode but you gave a similar intro then and it feels the same today you know i'm standing here barefoot and remembering now that Parker University and walking around barefoot on campus and wondering where the heck I would be four to five years from then. And it's crazy to be sitting here with you guys, with both practice owners. And, you know, I'm at three years in a practice, Spencer being a year in a practice. Zach, are you just over a year? Yeah, six or 14 months. 14 months in practice, like already great indicators for success for you guys to have made it that long. And you're in the top few percentile of chiropractors just coming out of chiropractic school and, and, you know, uh, chasing your own aspirational goals. And here we are. So thanks for, thanks for having me on the podcast today. Of course, man. Yeah. Of course. Super stoked. I feel like it's pretty full circle. I feel like Travis, you and like your group of homies that, um, kind of trailblazed like a path, like for Zach and I to really do the same for a lot of people. And, that's kind of what we try to do with our podcast too. So your content's been great and your mentorship and friendship has been awesome. And so I, uh, we're excited. So Travis, why don't you go ahead and uh, give our listeners just a little bit of insight into kind of what is move and your journey, like just overall, like, uh, after you graduated from school, like how did things kind of unfold for you? Yeah. So, you know, that, that all starts, um, several years prior, I met my wife, Sarah at, 
Stephen F. Austin State University in the kinesiology program, which was obviously the study of movement. And, you know, she was a mover and I was a mover. And we really bonded and connected over movement. We spent most of our time actually early on in our relationship, you know, at the gym or, or moving or doing things that involved, uh, you know, connecting to our bodies. And whenever I got into chiropractic school, obviously I became the weird guy that, that didn't wear shoes and had a unique style about me. And I think that kind of plays into that burning desire there, the current burning desire of radical self-discovery. I was just discovering who I was and what made me tick, you know, and, and what, um, what, what, what I could really bring to this world. And I realized that a lot of it, uh, was in movement and understanding movement and understanding how our bodies evolved over time and how we could continue to maintain these capabilities and functional capacities. And as I went through chiropractic school, I, I began to understand that that was, um, a new opportunity in the marketplace, you know, to, to really, uh, merge with my wife, Sarah and, and for her and I to, uh, kind of like what you said, trailblaze a new path as a young chiropractor and started move chiropractic and yoga. I was obviously the chiropractic and she was the yoga. And it's funny now to see how things have evolved because we we don't teach uh, very much yoga. You know, <laughs> I, I tell people all the time, like the move chiropractic and yoga is, is strictly for branding. You know, we're very chiropractic centric. And then we teach functional movement on the back end of that, just for reinforcement off the table to help people modify their lifestyle. Um, so that they can reinforce the work that we're doing chiropractically. And, uh, you know, it's going really well. We we came out of school uh, August 6th of 2020. We opened our doors October 5th of 2020. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't know what we, what we were getting ourselves into, but we decided to open up in Boulder, Colorado, which is one of three locations um, that we had as options. The other was St. Petersburg, Florida, and then Austin, Texas. And uh, we just felt called to the mountains and ended up here in Boulder. And like I said, planted our flag and opened up during the pandemic. And Colorado happened to be one of the most regulated lockdown states in the country, probably second to California. And, you know, that was something that we weren't really aware of. We, we weren't really aware of what it would take to, to start and grow a small business, much less a chiropractic practice, uh, whenever we decided to open up here. And then, you know, we, we also didn't know what forces uh, we were up against with the regulations that uh, we faced, you know, during the first two years of our practice. So I'm very proud to be able to stand here and say that we're still open after three years, mainly because, you know, like we said, 87% of small businesses don't make it through those first three years of practice, but the disadvantages that we had opening here were immense, you know, and it's something that I'll always look, look back on and be grateful for. But I, I also realize now the hardship and the tribulation that we put ourselves through uh, just by making that decision. So we started move chiropractic and yoga in a small space, which you can do. We had a, um, an adjusting one adjusting table, which was a Thule kind of portable Thule, Thule tour, uh, which is said to be portable, but it's, it's not very portable. And then we had, <laughs> we had Sarah with a, a yoga mat, you know, and, um, that was pretty much it. And we outgrew that space pretty quickly within six months and moved into our new location, which now has, you know, an open, open adjusting area. Uh, it's a beautiful space. And we also have a full functional movement area and we built out our systems on our own, kind of reaching outside of the industry. Like I said, it was something that I had never seen before. It may have been done before. You know, I always say it's never been done before. That's mainly just based on my own perspective and knowledge. Um, but we started reaching outside the industry and finding dis different systems that we thought would work well and align well with our practice. 
started to put it together and just grew over time. You know, it was a lot of learning. It was a lot of implementation and reassessment and then, you know, relaunching. And three years later, we have something super solid that, you know, we can talk about uh, as we get through this podcast, but we've learned how to scale it, uh, which is super important as you grow. And yeah, we're in a really good place moving into 2024. And I couldn't be, um, you know, more excited to share what I know with you guys today. That's, I mean, that's um, awesome to hear one. I mean, being two years ahead of Spencer and I, one thing I'm sure both of you also think of quite a bit and Travis with you having Theo coming, coming soon, as I forgot to mention on the intro. Um, but Travis is expecting a, a boy um, here in the the next couple of months, but I'm sure it's something that probably brings a smile on your face. And at the same time, keeps you incredibly motivated when you think back on those moments and you're going to get to share those and, and tell those stories to, to Theo as you guys are having an abundant and thriving life uh, one day. But um, I'm sure that's been a driving factor these last couple of months um, for you and, and for Sarah to scale and grow and do all, all sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, you probably see those yeah. that can't see that brings a lot of emotion with you just talking about that, you know, changes everything. Um, you know, for the first two years, you're in this like pl place of survivability and it's just all about you and it's all about surviving the moment, you know, the day to day, the week to week, the month to month, and then, and then the year to year. And then now obviously, uh, with our family expanding and, having, this is the first time we've told anybody what we're going to name him too. So everybody who listens to this episode is going to know our child's name before most of our family members. But, um, you know, just having Sarah now growing Theodore inside of her, it just gives me, uh, just gives me more purpose. And, uh, it's, it's, it's really cool because I realize in something I always say is like, I wear my scars like medals, you know, I realize that everything that I've encountered up until this point is going to be lessons and just knowledge, experiential knowledge and wisdom that I'm going to get to pass pass down to him. And it's just, it's changing my perspective on life. It's changing my perspective on chiropractic. It's changing my perspective on business. It's changing my perspective on, on coaching. And uh, yeah, I just, I'm a new person now because of it. And it's been a lot of work up until this point, but um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. I, I apologize, but I, it's also great to see another man express emotions, especially over fatherhood. Um, that's a whole nother podcast that we can get into. Um, sure. And I'm curious when you, when you did find out um, one thing I'm always asking other business owners and other chiropractors is, you know, did your, when you had that kid, cause I know for me, like right now, even just getting ready for marriage, um, there was a flip or there was a switch that was flipped for me in, okay, well now all my decisions don't just affect me they're affecting Morgan. And, you know, that's, that's one thing, but to imagine a child is just totally different. So what have you, we can kind of get into it. What have you and your team over at move started to develop or create or refine to really scale and grow move into what you foresee it being? It's mm. a good question. <clears throat> I would say it starts with me, you know, and, and most entrepreneurship does, uh, I'll probably quote Naval Ravikant quite a few times throughout this podcast, just because he's somebody that I really enjoy listening to. And he talks about accountability and accountability being the, the ownership of your actions and behaviors and accountability being a double-edged sword. You know, 
And accountability is something that uh, it, it's something where you get to celebrate a lot of the successes and a lot of the triumphs that you have in life and in business because you take ownership of that. A lot of accountability comes from taking risk under your name, you know, and that's something that we've done as entrepreneurs. But the other side of accountability um, is, you know, taking ownership over the downfall, all the downfalls and the downsides of everything as well. And I would say that one thing that uh, this has really flipped for me was taking more accountability and ownership as a leader and uh, really seeing how, you know, my own personal behaviors and actions and choices that I make every single day don't just affect myself and, and my family, but also affect uh, so many more lives, you know? So I guess changing from this provider mentality to a protector mentality is something that, uh, that came up for me. And before I was always going to be the provider based on work ethic, you know, it was like, how hard can I work if I can outwork everybody, you know, um, based on my own perception of that, uh, then, you know, the, the, the ultimate outcome of success is guaranteed. And now I realize that a lot of times there's sacrifices to be made in that. And unfortunately those are sacrifices made in relationships and, what I realized I was sacrificing most was like a relationship with myself, which is why, again, just referencing that burning desire of radical self-discovery, it's something that I've began to prioritize, you know, is my, my own self-discovery and, and really trying to figure out who I am in this world, uh, not just in my own body and in my own life as the main character syndrome that we all can kind of get swept up into, uh, but who I am and how I can contribute to humanity, you know? And I think, um, as that switch has flipped for me, it's begun to be reflected in our practice. And I've seen that whenever I take accountability and I, I take, do take extreme ownership, which is, that's a buzzword, right? A lot of people use that, that terminology. Uh, but a lot of times it's, it's around kind of superficial things, but whenever I, I truly take accountability for who I am and take extreme ownership for how my behaviors affect the lives of others and how my choices affect the lives of others, um, it starts to permeate and I start to see other people in our practice and on our team begin to step up and, and live a more uh, authentic life themselves. And I, I've allowed more people to, to step into their power. You know, sometimes accountability and ownership isn't being more authoritative as a leader. I think it's like it, it's stepping back and realizing that uh, the people that you've brought on to your team, as long as the right butts are in the right seats, you know, they have the, this, this strength to, the, to them as well. And if you can start to let that shine through, um, then it allows the practice and the organism to grow greater than the sum of its parts. And I think that the philosophy of chiropractic is the philosophy of business and vice versa. You know, it's a living and breathing organism and it has a nervous system. And I think if you can respect that and you can really view business in that way, then you realize how toxic you can be in some situations and so that's, that's really what's helped me, you know, the personal development journey that um, I thought was mainly around uh, achieving financial goals or achieving numerical goals or, or whatever that looks like early on in business now has become just a, a goal and aspiration of self-discovery and allowing that to uplift every person around me. And that's what it's doing. So um, obviously there's like a huge shift that happens as you develop, right? But if you can, like, how do you, what would you tell your younger self? Like whenever you first opened up in October 5th, like 
uh, we all kind of open up at the same time, like in the year, like oh, I'm in, in October, Zach was in October open, like your October open. Like, what are you thinking back? Like for us, like just a year ago, there's so much has changed. All right. So now reflecting three years back, like, what do you feel like has been some of your biggest shifts, like obviously into self-discovery, but what have you discovered about yourself in these three years? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it, you know, like, like we, we talk about, you're just in an accumulation of all of your past experiences. And so I think all of my past experiences were kind of this, this like lone wolf, like, you know, I always reference the picture that's over my right shoulder, because that's how I always envisioned myself. I left uh, my family and hometown whenever I was 18 years old to go into the military, because I was going to make something out of myself, I was going to break that generational curse. And there, uh, I was very self-dependent, and so not not a very codependent person. And then got out and put myself through undergraduate school, and then worked really hard, and and kind of put myself through uh, through chiropractic school. And what I began to realize is that uh, I was dependent upon myself. And I think all of the achievements that I had had in my life, I thought that all the achievements that I'd had in my life. Uh, were based on my own doings, you know? So I think with that comes a sense of arrogance and it does come with a sense of courage, but it's like blind courage, you know? And so uh, what I've now realized over the past two and a half years is that I am where I am uh, because of the shoulders I was able to stand on, you know? And it wasn't really as much this like uh, relentless pursuit of excellence that I thought was was truly driving me forward and allowing me to achieve all these goals so quickly uh, but it was the amount of support that I had from those people. I just didn't want to recognize it. And so I think that's really the the development that I had is, and and I honestly, I think chiropractic school feeds that uh, uh, because it, it it is somewhat of an echo chamber, you know, and you get in this echo chamber and depending upon the the group of people that you surround yourself with and the philosophy that you dive into, sometimes it can provide um, this sense of unjustified confidence, you know, and then you, you graduate chiropractic school thinking that you're one thing, and then you get out into the real world and you realize uh, that the, the real world doesn't care, you know? So <laughs> then you, you gotta, you gotta put your head down, you know, and you gotta, you gotta go to work and uh, it's either you sink or you swim. And so I think one thing that, that I can look back on and the imagery that I use is like, we were in a climate controlled environment. Like there, there was no breeze unless it was coming from uh, people that were that were kind of speaking in contradiction to what you believed. And all you had to do was stand up to other chiropractors uh, about your own belief system or, or, or the philosophy that, that you believe true and that you held closely to yourself. And then you get onto, into the world and it becomes a wind tunnel, you know. It's not climate controlled. Uh, there, there is no no control of the breeze. Like people don't care, and so whenever you get out into that real world, you realize that like if you're gonna, you know, be be the person that's hard charging, and you're gonna carry the cart, and you're gonna pull the cart, you can only do that for so long. And that's something that I did. You know, I pulled this heavy cart, and I was head first, uh, head down, just pushing the sled. And, you know, I burned out pretty quickly. I had, I experienced some burnout about 18 months into practice because of all of those character traits that, like I said, in business began to be highlighted, whether we want them to or not. Uh, it's the good character traits and the bad. And, and that was one that looking back, it's, it's what got me here, but it's not what's going to take me there, you know? So I think that was, that was the evolution is, is the awareness and the acknowledgement of that. Yeah. And I think, Again, there's so much to unpack there. And 
I think the three of us have a huge, I, I mean, I know y'all do. I don't want to say it about myself, but I, I think the three of us know how to burden a heavy weight and take up a, a big yoke and just kind of put our head down like you were talking about. And if someone's going to get it done, then we're going to be the ones to get it done. And, you know, seeing you again, two years ahead, uh, multiple steps ahead, starting to offload and delegate and not just delegate. Cause I think sometimes when we think of the word delegate, we think, Oh, I'm just going to hand this off to someone. And one thing I've always been inspired by was Howard Behar who's one of the co-founders and CEOs of Starbucks always talks about how they had the the broom rule, which was one of their like 10 secrets to success where uh, they would ask for so long, corporate would just send out the brooms. And then one day some barista was like, well, these brooms suck. I'm just going to bring my own broom. And they're like, oh, well, these brooms are actually more efficient, this and that. And so they've allowed their employees to shine. And that's where mm. the Frappuccino came from. That's where all these fancy, the pink drink, all, all, all of that Starbucks is known for came from allowing their employees to actually take the reins and not have corporate try to control everything and keep it to Americanos and your, your black coffee. And so it's cool to see. And as someone that kind of gets a, not necessarily the first hand look, but, you know, being in, in making moves and all those type of things, getting to see the evolution uh, of what you're doing and what Ryan's doing. And now what it seems like Emily and Sarah are doing together with, with pregnancy is, is super, super cool to see not just delegation, but, I'm not necessarily sure the the right word, but I would guess more amplification of of your quote unquote employees to allow them to shine and not just be a another version of you. Yeah, I think it's empowerment. You know, I think mm -hmm. you're empowering them to to make decisions and and to be able to bring things to the table that uh, my own limited perspective and limited visual field uh, may not have either thought of and or could have executed on as well as they could. And I think that, that that comes with that evolution, right? It's like relinquishing that arrogance and that thought that like, well, I know best. Well, I know best. I've always known best. <laughs> I've always known best. I've always depended upon me. It's always been myself, my decisions, my choices, my work ethic, my execution, uh, my discipline, and all of those things that got me to this point. And then you have to release all of that, you know, and realize that that's what got them here as well. And so empowering them to make decisions and bring projects and push projects forward, uh, it, it, it does, it amplifies, amplifies the vision, it amplifies the, the brand message, and it amplifies the product. And that's what it's done in our practice. You know, I got Dr. Emily that came on, uh, she started in April 1st of, of this year. And whenever she came on, we weren't ready for her, you know, but I knew that we would be. And, and that is a message that I'll continue to, to share is that, I set everything up in our business and in our practice with the expectation of delayed gratification. And now you hear a lot of people that are talking about that and they kind of highlight that continuously, but it is uh, an important message to, to hear as a young entrepreneur. A lot of people, whenever they start to experience a little bit of success in business, they want to like pull it all close to their chest and hold it for themselves. And that's something that we didn't do. You know, we continued to reinvest in others. We continued to reinvest in the message and the brand and the systems uh, and you know, when Emily came on, that's what that was. We took on an expense that we weren't ready for. And so we were investing in her and, and there's an opportunity cost to bring in on associates. Um, a statistic that I heard not too long ago is that an associate doesn't become profitable until 18 months in practice. And it's not just financially profitable. It's also the amount of time, energy, and attention that you have to bring in, that you have to put into onboarding them and bringing them onto the team and making them a part of the team. And if you have 
uh, a specific level of new patient inflow and patient visits per month, you may, you may not be able to float that profitably. And that's where we were. And so uh, like we've done since we opened move, we continue to take money out of our, our pockets and put it back into the business. And so we supported her, you know, financially with money that we we hadn't made yet, uh, but also with with time, energy, and attention that was taking away from different areas of our life. And because of that, you know, we we provided her fertile soil, and she was able to be nurtured and and very well nourished, and has now grown into this amazing practitioner that has now brought an entirely new demographic into our office. And we supported her through. Webster's. And then we gave her all of the the foundations that we teach and the fundamentals that we teach in making moves, which has now become like the making moves kind of practice growth system. And we, we gave her all of those fundamentals. And we had like a three hour whiteboard session. And we were like, these are all the concepts and the principles and the structure that we need to play within. And here's the, here's the container or the structure that you have to give you creative freedom. And with all of those concepts and principles, she was able to create one of the coolest pregnancy onboarding programs that I've ever seen. We haven't released that to the public yet. So nobody else gets to see that except for the people in our office, but it's really freaking cool to see. And now she's almost full. She's at the office right now seeing uh, pregnancy patients. Uh, you, you were talking about Zach being a workaholic, like she is too, because it's not work for her. You know, it's passion. And it's because we were able to uh, set her up with, with a really strong foundation, but that came through sacrifice, sacrifice through us and sacrifice from the business. And now we're going to reap the benefit of that. And so is she. So I think there's different situations in practice and in business that can be win, win, win. And, and this is one of those, you know, and it just comes from that basic uh, concept of empowering your people. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. I thought Spencer had a look on his face, like he was ready to, to chime in. Um, and again, it's, it's cool to see full circle because you, you mentored us. And then when you left, not, I wouldn't necessarily say we mentored Emily, but we got to see her go through school and now to see her come back around to you is like, man, just a circle of life. And it's cool to see that, that fresh ecosystem. Um, I do, if it's all right with you kind of want to move in, uh, because you were someone that put me on to Dan Kennedy and that has forever changed my outlook on marketing and business and all those likes. Uh, I actually got, I'm subscribed to his weekly emails and I'm curious your thoughts on his opening, uh, opening paragraph. And we'll, we'll kind of dive in from there, but, uh, his quote goes, you can't go to the bank on and deposit likes, views, retweets, viral explosions, social media conversations, or brand recognition. Bankers are extremely narrow-minded. They won't even accept vegetables grown in your backyard garden or Bitcoin. They want real money. And so with that said, obviously a lot of the marketing that y'all do is, is very lead gen based. And so what, what made you flip into becoming very lead gen uh, focused and how has that grown your business to, to where you are today? I love that paragraph. Firstly, you know, and that's, that's one thing that I learned from him early on was brand awareness versus direct response. And Dan Kennedy, for those of you that don't know, he's like the godfather of marketing. He's amazing at copywriting, but uh, he's a direct response guy. And the, the only reason that he puts out a marketing message is to compel people to act. And I think that uh, unfortunately, a product of this culture and this social media culture is 
kind of this prioritization of vanity metrics. And th that's what he's talking about, right? Is like the vanity metrics is the likes, the shares, the comments, uh, the, the stuff that doesn't truly provide any reciprocity to, to you and your practice. The only thing it does is provide you with cheap dopamine. <laughs> and it kind of keeps you coming back to that content um, that does uh, have a higher like viral load to it. You know, like there's a, there's a higher probability of it going viral but is it being put in, in front of your prospective clients and the people that can help you grow, build, and scale your practice? And I think it's, a, it's an unfortunate thing to, to get swept up in, especially now that we have some chiropractic influencers, you know, who are, who are putting straight adjusting videos and, you know, reaching 50, 60,000 followers and tons of likes and views and shares and all of that. And I think it, it, um, it conveys the wrong message to young chiropractors coming up, you know, uh, whatever they come out of school. One thing that, that I see happen quite frequently is that people get caught up in that engagement and, and they start putting out, uh, different pieces of content that, that do prompt a lot of engagement. And, and what I've seen is that most of that engagement is either chiropractors alike or, uh, their family members, you know, and it, it's not typically, uh, engaging to your prospective clients. And so we, we kind of figured that out early on is that um, that type of content wasn't leading to new patients. And that's really what we want, right? We want new patients and not because we want to make more money. Uh, obviously, that's, that's a great side effect. That's a great benefit of that. But like we want to grow our community. I mean, you, the, the, the name of your practice is Empower and the name of your practice is Within. Like we, we want to help liberate people from the shackles of the Western culture and the more people that we have walking through the front doors of our office, the more people that get to experience that. And so what we found pretty quickly is that if, you know, if we can create a captivating uh, kind of source of creative and then provide them with some compelling copy and a compelling offer, uh, then that's how we can actually generate those new patient pipelines, which allows us to build our practice. It's a lifeblood of our practice. Uh, one thing that is important to understand, and you know, I know a lot of chiropractors have this resistance to, or they're repulsed by digital marketing. And I think the reason why is because of that TikTok culture, you know, because of that like crack addict culture. And uh, I think the reason why they are so resentful um, of Facebook marketing or digital marketing is because they don't understand it. You know, digital marketing is, is it's, it's one of the highest forms of leverage that you can use. So again, um, Quoting Naval Ravikant, Naval Ravikant talks about four sources of leverage, and it's either labor, capital, media, or code. And the top of the pyramid being media and code because it's permissionless. Like you don't need permission. Uh, for labor, you need permission. You need people's willingness to work in your office and do what you're asking them to do, and you have to pay them a wage. Uh, for capital, it's the same thing. You need capital in order to distribute that and invest it appropriately for media and code, you don't need permission for that. And so I'm not a coder. So that's not the, the form of leverage that I'm looking to use, but I do enjoy using the leverage of media. And what you can do is you can actually buy attention, uh, which we know to be one of the greatest resources that there are. And so if you can use this media buying strategy, which is a form of leverage, because we're literally generating new patients while we sleep, uh, and we can create some captivating creative once we buy their eyeballs and it actually captivates their attention, it holds their attention, which is what we're looking to do. And we can compel them 
through an irresistible offer, um, then they become new patients or at least leads that we need to nurture as move chiropractic and yoga. And that's, that's our time to shine, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to see now, uh, how much people are moving more towards like the flashy, the flashy content that does get them likes, views and shares. Mm -hmm. Um, but in reality, like that's, that's not their people, man. Like you're, you're, you're getting likes, views and shares from chiropractors who are not going to feed your practice. And that's something I know Spencer and I talk a lot and you made me aware of, you know, right as we were opening, I think you, you actually got to stop into the practice as I was like mid building one of our, our son Cairo tables and we got to adjust each other, but it was there, it was on that day where you, you mentioned, you're like, Hey, your content, you should not be focused on getting, you should want to be getting likes and, and views, but double checking and triple checking that your content that you're posting is not to glorify or make your, your peers happy, right? Like they're, they're not going to be new patients. They're not going to be the one paying the bills at the end of the day. And it made me realize like, there's no need to talk about innate intelligence or uh, this philosophy on social media on a regular basis, because that's not the level of which our community that we're serving uh, is one wanting to see and two cares to see. Yeah, uh, I remember that actually. And, you know, I think a, a wheezy, an easy way to sum that up is like you serve the market, not your message. Mm-hmm. And I think that whenever we get caught up, like serving our message and we kind of hide behind this like virtuistic frame and we're only putting out messages um, in, in fear of judgment, you know, like we don't want to be judged by our peers and colleagues, but like your peers and colleagues aren't going to be the ones that are providing for you and your family, you know? um, for, for you and Morgan, and then eventually your own Theo, right? Like that's not how business works. And so I think, unfortunately, that's a, that's a, that is a space where we get caught up in as young chiropractors in the echo chamber. And I think once you can prioritize, uh, the vast population and, and the mass majority of people, uh, that's when we can reach more people and we can increase that utilization rate. It's too low, man. The utilization rate of chiropractic is too low. And I think it's because, Unfortunately, we've been serving our message and not serving the market for a long time. And I think the message is super important, but the philosophy is for us. You know, I think it it should be something that you should be deeply rooted in. And there's ways that you can drip feed that to people over time. But another one of Dan Kennedy's greatest one-liners is you sell them what they want and then give them what they need over time. We know what they need, but we just don't have to spray them with the 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 fire hydrant right now, you know. Um, let's, let's, let's serve the market. Let's, let's give them something that's captivating to them. Let's give them something that compels them to act on our offer, get them into our home turf, and then we'll drip feed that education over time. And then eventually I think that's how we can start to expand our net. And if we do that and we band together and stop casting stones, I mean, the reason why the name of my kid is Theo's Theodore because of the, uh, the famous quote or the famous, uh, speech by Theodore Roosevelt, which is one of my favorites of all time, man in the arena, you know, if we can stop casting stones at the men in the arena and and realize that they're the ones putting in the work, you know, and they're the ones with the scars um, and we allow them to just be themselves and and prosper, you know, I think that that's going to allow us to grow and evolve as a profession. And I don't think the, the profession has evolved very much. And I think it's, it's shown that through the utilization rate in the West. Yeah, I, I think one thing I often think about is not like a, what would Jesus do, but the chiropractic version, but honestly, like BJ Palmer was one of the best marketers of all time. Right. Like, I mean, the dude brought a radio station, which at that time, like he would have bought Facebook or Twitter, like 
you know, like he would have just been like, I'm going to own it. And it's funny because the same guy that would be doing all that marketing is the same guy that a lot of us as chiropractors hide behind uh, and try to use as a scapegoat where, well, he would want us to sell the philosophy. It's like, if you go back and look at his, his newsletters or, you know, the messaging he was talking about, it was, he was messaging to the sick and that was his goal was to bring them into the, the Palmer clinic to help them one get out of being sick. But then he was talking the philosophy to the students and that's what the green books are all about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his best friend was Albert Hubbard who owned a printing press, you know, the radio station you were talking about wonders of chiropractic. Um, it, he, he wrote a book called selling, selling chiropractic. He wrote several books on selling. He was one of the biggest marketing moguls the profession has ever seen. And, you know, I talk about that quite frequently too, but some, for some reason we tend to cherry pick, you know, we like to, to cherry pick, uh, different one-liners out of, out of different green books and, and, and just kind of like use that to back our own, uh, boisterous opinions, but we're not truly taking in all that encompassed him, you know, and it was spreading the message to those who need it most. And who, who needs the, the message of chiropractic more than the people that are sick and in pain? They're sick and tired of being sick and tired, man. Like you can message to the, the, the top few percent of people who are looking for true evolution of self and looking for nervous system optimization. Uh, but that's only going to allow us to evolve as a population so much, you know, like we need to reach down as far as we can and grab the people that are currently swept up in this Western culture. And those are the people that are addicted to pharmaceuticals. It's the people who identify with all of their pain and symptoms because we're in this, this, you know, symptomatic uh, medical system and the people who are kind of feeding this perpetual system and who better to do it than us, you know? So that's why we message the way that we do. A lot of people say like, I don't want to message to pain. I don't want to see people in pain. Like to me, I'm like, give them all to me. Like bring, bring every person that is in pain and identifies with some type of sy symptom or diagnosis that they got from uh, their primary care provider into our office. Those are the people that I want to see. The other people are going to, they'll trickle in, man. You know, like the people who are uh, looking to, to truly optimize and, and kind of reach that next level of marginal growth. But I want the people that we can provide a radical transformation to. Like that's, that's really the people that we want to serve. We want to provide radical transformations. And I think if we can do that, it becomes self-perpetuating in our favor, you know, and that's going to trickle down generationally. And those people are going to go back and they're going to be better husbands, better wives, better sisters, better brothers, better uncles, better coworkers, better bosses. And when that happens, um, I think that we start to see the world change for the better, you know? And so that's, that's really why I talk about messaging the way that I do. It's not because I want to throw stones at like the philosophy of chiropractic or, or break down chiropractors need to share the philosophy of chiropractic. It's because I think those who need to be served most are the people that wouldn't understand that. The people who wouldn't even be uh, compelled by that, you know, like the, the symptom, the, the experience that they're having right now is too distracting. It's nociception, it's chaos in their brain and their nervous system, and they'll never look past it. And so if we can give them what they want, which is just a little bit of relief, just a little bit of breathing room, and then sell them what they want, sell them what they need over time, give them what they need over time, excuse me, you know, I think that's how we, we serve the masses. Spencer, it looked like you had something. Do you want to chime in? Dude, I'm just listening, man. And I'm just um, really focused on kind of listening to uh, the things that you're not saying, right? Because as we develop and as we grow as people and as practitioners and entrepreneurs, there's this newfound tone that's like going to be layered in underneath your words, right? And like, that's really what I'm listening for 
Um, because really my question is when you first opened up, this is obviously not how you think, right? This is not, this is not what, uh, startup mode, what now mode Travis is right. And that's kind of like who we speak to. And so we bring all these people on and I know as students, like we're so easy to just get wrapped up in other people's success and be like, Oh, I wish that I could get there. I wish that I could do that. I wish that I wish I wish, but we never actually dream enough uh, ourselves so we can actually go and chase that vision. So what are some of the things that um, really like, what was the turning point for you to go down to this path where you really are clarified, like in your message and in your branding? I think it was experience. Um, you know, I think Dr. Tim, the other day on, on my podcast, we pulled a clip from it and he was talking about how uh, you never truly understand the essence of chiropractic until it happens in your hands. And I think that, you know, whenever I came out from the student, like, you know, not casting stones at students, right? Like that's, we're just a makeup of our environment. And like, that's the environment that, that we were bred and nurtured in. And whenever I came out, I did have like what you're talking about. I think you're, you're probably referencing an underlying tone that I have now um, in contrast to the tone that I had before. And, or maybe you were just making a, a general statement. Um, but I think that it was, was all based on experience, you know, and, and allowing myself to see everything for what it is and not, not, not through what I wanted it to be. You know, I think once I, once I got into practice and I, I began to have an honest assessment uh, of who I was, what I was doing and what we were serving chiropractically, um, you know, it just, it, it allowed me to change just like change, change my, 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 my purpose and my mentality around everything that I do. Um, so I guess, are you asking for like advice here? Like for, students? no, I'm just asking for okay. like your experience, um, just like your kind of reflection, right? Like if you can write a journal note into yourself and you look back and you're like, today is the day, like I finally, now I understand, right. There's these moments in time, like where we like can flip that switch. Right. And Zach and I, in our last episode, we talked about momentum where sometimes like things just change and you're like, today is the day I make a change. And, you know, people are like, Oh, I need to take this massive action. And I need to move in the other way. But literally what we were talking about is the way you get a radical shift is by uh, really unpacking like what has flipped the switch in you and consistently taking action over time. And that's how you end up in a totally different place. That's how you end up as a different person and a different practice bracket as whatever you want it to be. Um, and that's where you get radical shift is by taking massive action consistently. And so my question really is, is just like, what was that flip for you? And what are some of those big actions that you took when you actually had this realization that you're like, okay, we need to change our messaging. We need to change the way that we spread our message. We need to, instead of doing, you know, direct uh, re reply and stuff, like how do we get our brand out like that? Like walk me through that journey of Travis six months in, and how you started developing like the making moves like business systems because out of necessity really. Yeah. Well, to just piggyback on I'll I'll two part two part answer here. The first part is just a statement on on your comment. You know, I think I think massive action is relative, right? Like massive action is an output and you know, unfortunately, uh, success is not like a one-to-one -one game, you know, <laughs> like massive output consistently leads to incremental change over time. And that is the the path to success. That is the the path to 
the most exponential growth over time. But in the beginning, it, it doesn't look like growth. You know, it actually it actually increases friction, um, and so it's it's really taking massive action every day without the need for uh, reciprocate reciprocation or, and, or the reflection in your perceived success metrics, you know? So that's one thing that I would like to share is that the, the massive action that you're taking today is something that you're going to see harvested three years from now. And I think that's, that's what I'm experiencing now is being over three years in practice. Now, what I, what I, what I'm beginning to see is that everything in business, just like everything in life, just like everything in personal development, just like healing takes time. And so all of the shifts that we made, although it may have felt like massive action in the moment, because it was, uh, this like, massively driven output, uh, from, from me and like this, this high energy pursuit was actually just like chipping away. You know, it was just like slow little mindful movements every single day in the direction of the light, right? Like you have your North star, you have your compass and you stay the course and you take that massive action every day and you chop wood and you carry water and then eventually you look back and and you're able to see all the the bricks that you laid you know and you're able to see this magnificent road that you built whenever it was slightly unintentional you know like you're just focused on laying one brick today like lay the brick you know you're 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 kind of finicking with the brick and you're trying to lay it perfectly and then the next day you're like laying the next brick and you're finicking and it's like you're hyper focused on that one brick and you want to lay it perfectly and like this brick means everything to you today And then you look back, you know, three years from now and you realize all the bricks that you laid and you were able to unravel or develop this thing organically. And I think that's where I am now. It's like, I'm, I'm seeing now that the, the evolution and the growth and the prosperity that we're going to experience in this practice was not made from one decision. You know, it was not made from like one new year's resolution where I'm like, this year I'm going to take massive action and I'm going to do all these things so that I can scale my practice and get us up to $70,000 a month. It was chipping away every single day, but staying the course, you know? And I think the way that you stay the course is through that honest reflection because the, the course corrections happened uh, all the time, you know, if it wasn't daily, it was weekly. Right. And it was based on my learning, like who I am today is not the person that I was then. And it's because of the experiences, uh, that I've had over the past two and a half years. And so if you're not course correcting and you're not slightly altering your trajectory based on the, the new person, the new organism that you've become, um, then I don't think we're truly growing. And so I think a lot of this was just based in, Again, dissolving the ego, like relinquishing my need to be right. Like, you know, Alex Hormozzi, which everybody, you know, has, has, has kind of like blown up and kind of latched onto over the past few years. Like he, he says this one line quote quite frequently, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be rich? You know, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be rich? And I think once I relinquished my need to be right, uh, I became more rich, you know, and it wasn't just financial richness, obviously, but it was just rich in joy and gratitude for, for what we've built and what we've created here. Whereas whenever you first start off, it's like you're comparing yourself to these icons that you pedestalize. And I think that if you're looking for like one moment where I had a major shift, it was when I realized that the person that I had pedestalized and the person that I had learned 
learned from and been mentored by and that I'd believed in and trusted and uh, decided that I want to be just like that person when the curtain was pulled back and I realized that person wasn't who I thought they were. And it mm -hmm. depedestalized that person and it destabilized me. And so that's when I realized that we're all just fucking human beings, man, doing our best. And my perception and the narrative that I write, the construct that I create about somebody and what they have and what they've achieved and all of these things, like if I begin to latch onto that and create this discrepancy or this gap between where I am and where they are, I can never be truly happy in the now, you know? And, and also I can't be as authentic in my business and in my practice. And once I think I experienced that and the bandaid was ripped off and there was salt poured in my wound and it took me several months to process that and kind of get past that because I felt so misled, I felt so misguided. And because of that, I felt harmed. You know, once I was able to process that and come out the other side, um, that's when things shifted for me, you know? So if I could give any piece of advice to any of the students, it would be um, kind of like led by your question. You know, it's like, don't, don't create any type of icons or pedestalization of anybody in this profession or in your life. And just realize that, you know, first off, what you see and what you believe is only what they want you to see and believe first and foremost. Um, second of all, like you're right where you need to be. You know, and that doesn't mean that you should take your foot off the gas pedal, but it does mean you should give yourself some grace and realize that like you fought hard to get where you are and that if you can be the best version of you and you can truly, you know, find your own path to self-discovery, there's nobody that can compete with that because there is no competition in authenticity. And if you can become the best version of you and then your practice and your business becomes an extension of who you are, there's no competition in the marketplace. You know, There's nobody that can do you the way that you can. They may copy or try to emulate, but uh, I mean, honestly, that's a compliment. You know, So that's, that was long-winded, but I think I got my point across. Yeah, I think it's so true. I mean, there's so many people that we look up to and say like, Oh, I want to be just like them. I just want to be just like them. And we don't really see the skeletons in everybody's closet because we don't put their clothes on in the morning. Right. And so they're the things that, you know, we have to say like, Oh, what do we want to be in? I mean, I always say like, dude, I'm not competitive with other people. Like I'm competitive with myself because yeah. I know the, the amount of effort that I can put forward to, but I really could care less if people are you know, lifting more weights than me, doing all those things. I like accountability from other people who have similar goals for me, but I don't really have any sort of uh, like construct around like, oh, like this person is better than me. So I need to beat them just because I think I'm better than them. But I know that what my best is, is where I can really tap into. And so I love to be in conversations with people like you, like with Zach, like with all the people who are in our circle who have been on our podcast, because when people are farther away or farther ahead down the road than you, they really just kind of tell you like, Hey, this is what the path that you're walking down. And so you can proverbially stand on their shoulders, like you were saying to get to the life that you want, but sometimes the road forks. And so we can just, you know, split off uh, in other ways. And that's awesome. And yeah. so and that's kind of what I've just been digesting from your, from all the things that you've been saying. Yeah. One thing I'll say in response to you is you said that, um, you know, you like to have accountability from people that have similar goals as you. And I'll go one further than that and say accountability from people that have similar goals for you. And, right. you know, I, th I think that's important, you know, because that's something that I experienced in that same situation was that this person had lesser goals for me than I had for myself. 
And a lot of it was uh, kind of constrained and limiting language around what I could create and, and how fast I could create it and what I needed to be providing and, and how fast I could provide it, you know? And uh, when I look back, I realize that everybody has a motive, you know, like, and, and so just like understanding that too is like, not everybody who you think wants you to win truly wants you to win. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's important too, because that trickles down into your team, right? Like I don't ever even like, it, it feels weird for me to use the word employees because yes, I technically employ them. Like I'm the one that pays their wage, but those are, that's my team, right? Like those are the people they carry just as much weight as me. And, uh, but that trickles down, right? Because like when you're the one that like holds the vision, when you're the one that has the map and not necessarily the wheel on the boat, then I mean, that trickles down everywhere else. And so you have to have people on your team that want care and contribute just as much as you can. Right. And you have to give them the freedom as the one that kind of holds the container, like for your practice to give them the space to move in that space, you know? And I think it's just as important for us to create that environment for the people who entrust us with their care. Right. Because there's so many people that would say like, oh, you're going to be in this lane and all those things. And that's why my practices empower chiropractic is because we empower people to make the choice that they want. Right. To give them the resources to be naturally stronger and more confident in claiming their natural rights, doing the things that they want to. And so I just think it's it's awesome, like um, all the things that you're doing. And it's very inspiring and motivating to uh, just hear down the road. You know, you gained a massive amount of wisdom. Um, I think since we've had a longest, like a long chat and I'm very honored to know you and very proud to, you know, be a part of your journey. Thanks, Spencer. Yeah. And then I'm reminded, you know, I think I, I don't know if I've shared with both of you, um, but one book I'm currently reading that's phenomenal and would definitely recommend. And it came from Ryan Ryder is uh, purpose driven church by Rick Warren, who built arguably one of the biggest non-denominational churches. And uh, Dan Kennedy is even quoted by saying it's the best business book of all time. Um, and he, he talks a lot about, you know, in, in basically the first two chapters about you cannot take everything he's about to share about his own church and apply it to your church and it's going to work. And I think that's, that's something you do a really great job of illustrating and in, in our conversations is like, Hey, this is what's worked for us. And I think that's a really important thing to find in a mentor or a coach is, not someone that says you have to do it this way and it's the only way to do it, but find someone that's going to come alongside you and be like, Hey, this is what worked for us. So you can try it. Um, but I'm also going to help you with my wisdom and my knowledge, um, figure out what will work for, for you. Cause what works in, in Boulder won't necessarily work in Colleyville, two very different communities. Right. Um, and you, you've been around Hearst, which is, or, um, Hearst, right. Mm -hmm. we're, yeah. And that's very different than a lot of people in Boulder. Um, not in like a bad or good way, but just they're different. Um, and so you can't take what's working somewhere and try to try to apply the very exact thing, uh, to your practice and expect it to work and then get frustrated when it doesn't. But one thing I do, I do want to ask is, you know, yes, you're, you guys have done a great job with, uh, Facebook and, and social media marketing and, and lead gen in that sense, but also knowing, some of the the backstory that's that's not all you guys do um and going back over the, how you were talking about those three years chopping wood um and, and really building those those bricks what are some of the some of the bricks that you've laid over the last three years that are are boring or aren't sexy or aren't appealing to necessarily that that first year second year entrepreneur that a lot of times we have an aversion to what are some of those things that y'all do on a weekly and monthly basis that you've now seen reap. Yeah. Hold benefits. that thought. Cause this is actually the same question that I had. 
Um, so to kind of sum it up, what are like three, cause we try to give people like tangible steps that they can walk away from the episode for, cause you can get a lot of motivation and inspiration and get, uh, very charged up from a lot of podcasts and stuff, but we like to give tangible steps. So what are three things that people can do right now that matter the most that a lot of people aren't looking at? Mm, what are good. the three <clears throat> biggest moves? So I'll try to answer both of them together. And so, um, to, to maybe, maybe I'll intertwine the, the takeaways into the answer of Zach's question. So the things that we've done that have been boring, that have been like brick by brick, um, laid over time. I mean, I know we talk about a lot, a lot about digital marketing. So I think you were trying to refrain me from, from going down that path because one thing we, uh, and I'll reiterate here is like, we have a multifaceted lead generation system. Mm-hmm. That is one Creek to our river right? Like that is one Creek, but it is one of the most leverageable uh, Creeks. And it's something that can be replicated and emulated no matter where you are. I would say another um, of our main lead generation sources is going to be screening events. So to give one takeaway, it is to be able to communicate um, in very simplistic terms, a problem that someone may be experiencing right now, and be able to bridge the gap between where they are, where they want to be offering you as the solution and being able to do that in a micro form, which would be in like a screening scenario, which is where they come up. They don't know you from Adam. There is no brand awareness. There's no recognition. Uh, you have your magnets. So we have kind of a, a four um, step system where we have, we do have like a magnet or an attraction. So we typically, depending upon the event that we do, we try to have something that is appropriate for that event. Um, so let's say we are using posture, um, which is something that we do frequently, but we also use like massage gun sessions every now and then. And again, it's because I've relinquished my need for, for ego to make decisions for me. So we bring people over with a free massage gun session. And in that, we have them fill out a questionnaire. In that questionnaire, they give us information about themselves. Whenever we get them back to the table, I'm going to start asking Uh, questions about the information that they gave us on the sheet. So the pain points, the symptoms, the experiences or challenges that they're having. During that conversation, I'm trying to create a gap between where they are, which is their current experience of symptoms or challenges, and where they could be, which is the solution to the transformation that we offer in our office. And then throughout that conversation, I'm navigating it appropriately based on who they are and what they do for work and their common interests. Typically on the paper, we put occupation. So one thing that I would uh, definitely try to hone in on is an understanding of multiple or a large amount of occupations or professions. So depending upon what people do for work, uh, typically it kind of reflects their their interests and uh, their understanding of the world around them. So let's say that somewhere is, someone is a software software engineer. If they have an issue in you know a, a knot currently behind their scapula, then I can provide them information about how that's a software issue, not a hardware issue. So we have the communication superhighway that comes from the brain down the brainstem into the spinal cord and the spinal nerves that come out, innervate and supply all of the muscular system, but also all of the, the organs and tissue cells in the body. A lot of times we overlook that. So uh, what you're telling me right now is that you have an issue in a tissue. 
And so that issue in the tissue is something that you've been trying to get out with massage or your Theracane or, uh, you know, acupuncture or whatever you've been trying to do. You're going straight at the local injury site. But what we have failed to understand is that that's a software-based issue. That's a response by the body, an intelligent response by the body of an overstressed tissue. So because of the structural adaptation that your body has had based on the constant inputs from sitting at a desk with your head forward and the, the postural adaptations that now your spine has undergone, it's increased the amount of stress that that tissue has been under for said amount of time. Now that tissue is starting to create this kind of like central torsional pattern, what, what you're calling a trigger point. And yeah, it has become the site uh, that is the most important to you because it's the site that's painful and it's palpable by your hand. But what you don't understand is that that software issue that is currently showing up in that tissue is also an issue that's going undetected by other areas of your body. And so when we have uh, a hardware issue that we tend to kind of highlight or illuminate, what we first need to look at is the cause of that hardware issue, which would be the software hardware interface. And so whenever you can start to kind of bridge the gap between what they currently know and how they see the world with what you offer as a chiropractor, I think that allows it to be way more digestible by the person on the table. And you can do that for plumbers, you can do it for firemen, you can do it for teachers, for librarians, like it doesn't matter. Huge. So that was a that was a long-winded way of saying like learn to form fit your message to the candidate, to the prospect. And again, you want to serve the moment. Don't serve your message, right? And in that moment, I know you got something. In that moment, like that person is the most important person in your world. And they don't know chiropractic and they probably don't know neurology and they don't know biology and they don't know physiology, but they know what they know. And if they know software, if they know electricity, then speak to the software and the electricity. Um, and I think what we've seen from that is, I mean, the screening events that, that we go to now, because we have created a lot of scripts and a lot of processes that we put around it, like, I mean, you can build a half a million dollar a year practice um, strictly by doing screening events if you have a screening event a month. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that Zach and I talk about a lot is like, one of my superpowers is just I can relate anything to chiropractic is because I like I've been coining it like you walk backwards into the conversation. So a lot of people say like, oh, I'm a chiropractor and I help you with this. But you kind of start it and you say like, oh, I help you with this. And they're like, oh, how do you do that? And you're like, well, I'm a chiropractor. Like you offer them the solution to what they need. So Yeah. And I think I think you can go even a step further back there and like ask them about them. Yeah. You know, it's exactly. like I'll, I'll tell you about me in a few moments. Like, what do you do? You know, mm -hmm. who are you? Um, you know, what, what, what makes you, you, and, and what are you currently experiencing that, that I may be able to help you with? And, yep. you know, typically people, I, as you guys know, and every other chiropractic student or chiropractor that's listening to this podcast, once you tell somebody that you're a chiropractor, like they tell you about their problems, they just kind yep. of like uncore. Un it doesn't matter where you are. You could be at a bar, you could be at a family, um, mm -hmm. family yeah, event. It was, just, like it, it was just Christmas. It happened. Yep. Yeah. For all of us. Yep. Yeah. So you know, you ask them about them, collect a little bit of information and data about who they are and how they see the world. And then you can transition into the, the conversation about chiropractic. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think the, one the, thing we I've taken away is, you know, it's much more important to be interested than interesting. Right. And I think we can get caught up with, cause we understand how interesting chiropractic really is, especially from a philosophical level, but we can also really quickly lose interest in others. Um, yeah. 
And going back to Spencer's question is, you know, that screening was, was one and you've obviously developed a huge framework around it. Um, do you have two or three uh, bricks that you've also been laying for the last several, several years that have, you're now just seeing the fruit outside of, outside of screening events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would say fulfillment is one of them, you know, so like just delivering our product inside the office and really, really prioritizing. Yeah. Really prioritizing the client experience. Um, and that doesn't just look like, uh, elite level adjusting skill, you know, that, that that's a prerequisite. That's a given. Like if you're not working on your adjusting skills and you're crossing the stage as an, you know, an unconfident chiropractor, like you got some work to do. Like that should be the least of your worries once isn't, you start to get your hands on people. Not to, not to interrupt, but isn't it, the more I've kind of stepped out of it, out of the bubble, if you will, it's kind of interesting how we do try to market. Some of us try to market like high level chiropractic care when the public expects that, right? That's like low bar entries. Like you should be delivering high chiropractic care. But unfortunately one, uh, we've seen adjusting isn't nearly uh, trained as it should be, but it's a, to me, it's always funny to kind of think back on like, imagine any other business being like, yeah, well, we deliver the best uh, we deliver high level, whatever. And it's like, well, shouldn't, shouldn't that be like the expectation? Like yeah, high, high quality cheeseburgers. Yeah. You know, it's like we should, I would hope so. Yeah. Like hopefully I don't get food poisoning. You know, if you're selling cheeseburgers, they better be high quality. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, and the public just doesn't know, right? Yeah. Like they have no clue that there's like a skill discrepancy between chiropractors. Mm-hmm. They, they don't know the difference between the joint and you, you know, and, and not to like, you know, say anything about the joint. Like, I think it's a great, great opportunity for chiropractic to expand its reach, but like, they don't know the difference between what they may pay $19 for versus what they're paying over $70 per, per visit for. Mm-hmm. And, and so like you basing, uh, kind of like your, your, your price to value ratio on your skill set. Right. Um, it's all right. in like the perception of value of the prospect. So they don't perceive that as ultimately valuable. Like they go into the joint and the person's using, uh, you know, a lot of manipulative force and getting loads of cavitations in their spine. Like they see that as a great product. They, they walk out feeling good and they're open seven days a week. And so exactly. And, and you pay, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You pay what it, whatever it is. I don't know, 39 bucks a month. I don't, it's, it's a very low price point, uh, which again, like I, I love that a lot of people have access to it if they can't afford it. Uh, but that's not what we do in our office. And so, yeah, I think learning how to, I guess this would, this would be a brick for sure is learning how to convey value to the prospect based on, uh, your current offering and services and, that's something that I think is uh, massively important for young chiropractors is because when you are a student, uh, you're looking for people to adjust, you know, you're trying to grab anyone that'll let them put their hands on you (laughs) and adjust them. And so not only are you doing it for free, but in some instances you would pay them to let you adjust them. Right. So um, it's a, it's a complete 180 degree shift. And so you got to get good at asking people for money um, for the services that you're offering, but you also have to get good good at, uh, you know, stacking the amount of perceived value in the eye of the prospect for what you're actually going to deliver. And one way that I like to speak to that is that you sell the transformation and not the service. And that's something that I got from Russell Brunson. And it's something that, you know, like really struck a chord in me early on in practice 
is that we're not selling them an event, right? Like chiropractic isn't an event, it's a process, right? So mm -hmm. like we're, we're selling them the process. We're selling them the transformation on the other side of that process. We're actually not selling them the process. We're selling them the, like the ultimate outcome that they're looking to achieve. And although that's arbitrary, right? Like, especially us knowing what chiropractic can provide. I think Heidi Havoc came out the other day and, you know, talked about that the effects of chiropractic are compounding and that they, mm -hmm. the effects of chiropractic actually get better over time. So after you've been under chiropractic care for 12 months plus, that's when you start to experience like the total value of continuous chiropractic care. And so, although in 90 days, uh, we know that they're not going to achieve that. Obviously we can't, you know, compress 12 months into 90 days. It's time it's, it's time specific time focused, but what you can do is you can provide them uh, kind of a desired outcome and a defined end to your program. That way during that 90 day process, you have enough time to drip feed them that education uh, that becomes kind of the, I don't know, like the keystone in actually becoming a continuous chiropractic client. And that's what we want for people. You know, we want, we want it to be a lifestyle and, and a, a wellness regimen. So that would be second point um, is if you haven't been to a making move seminar and you want to better understand that, I'll go ahead and drop this here. We're actually about to take most of our content that we used to have behind a paywall where people had to pay for it and we're going to put it out for free. And so we're creating a current course in the, in school right now, and we're going to give all of it away. So, um, if you are a young doctor and you want to learn a little bit more about this, then you can go, uh, get into that, what we're, what we're going to call the, the Cairo success collective. And it's going to be a little community where we're going to have monthly collaboration calls, and then just continue to mastermind through things that could be valuable for young chiropractors. Um, and then for students, what we want to do is make it slightly exclusive for students. So if, if you want to get in as a student, then we want the, the requisite to entry to be coming to a making move seminar. So that you actually understand the value of what you're receiving so that it becomes useful to you. So if you've been to a making move seminar as a student, you will be receiving access to that. If you're a young doctor and want to get involved, um, we're going to post, I'll have you guys post the link in the show notes and they can go through that. Uh, but we really, we, we talk a lot about, you know, taking all of your services and your products and, and whatever you want to provide as a chiropractor, because there are so many different unique expressions in chiropractic. And like I said, I want it to be an, like an, an extension of the authentic version of you. And so that may not look like the, the extension of the authentic version of Zach or Spencer, but it looks like you. And so providing you with the concepts and the principles that you can take to actually formulate uh, your own value proposition to the people that you want to serve. And then when you're able to stack that value and you can convey it in a super concise and compelling way, um, that's how we can convert prospects into chiropractic clients and grow our practice over time. And you know, as we're wrapping up here, um, one, this has been a complete honor and really a lot of fun to, to record with you and kind of get to unpack just an hour, uh, of the Travis Stewart brain, um, and, and all that entails. But as a, as a testimonial, you know, I, I was a client of, of making moves. Um, and I, you know, had the ability to host the seminar, uh, back in February of last year and go through the course once and now going back through again and, if someone is is on the fence, I couldn't couldn't recommend it enough. One, it will challenge you, and I think as entrepreneurs, that's exactly what we need, um, especially if you are young in practice, because a lot of the concepts uh, will challenge your beliefs in a good way, 
And number two, it also, I mean, two X our business in the span of six months and not just from a monetary standpoint, but it's also uh, 10X our creativity and our viewpoint and the way in which we operate um, on so many different facets. So I highly recommend um, one, getting on the free course. I mean, that's that's amazing that you're offering that. And for any of the courses that that Travis and, and Ryan and, and that whole crew drop, I, I couldn't recommend it enough, Travis. Yeah. Thanks, Zach. I see Spencer. I see you. You got a, you got a jet, got another call. Um, and then I'll just drop very lastly here. Like, obviously we didn't get to it, but, uh, <laughs> we do have the Kyrads Academy, which is a new Facebook ads Academy that we just started. We just launched at the beginning of last month, which has been a huge success. Um, people are literally crushing it in practice with the Facebook ads, but it's not just learning how to Facebook ad. It's learn it's learning how to market as yep. a whole. So if that's something that you're interested in and you're a DC and you want to elevate your Facebook marketing and, or grow or scale your practice, like we'll leave the the link down in the show notes so people can get more information on that too. Yeah. Hey, well, man, Travis, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and for pouring into us uh, today, but not only today, but just in the past, um, you've been such a huge pivotal point in our journey. And so we really appreciate it. And um, we're really glad to to know you and be able to chat with you. And we look forward to cheering you on and having you on again so we can continue yeah. to jam out. Yeah, I feel like we just scratched the surface. Very much so. Um, Very much so. <laughs> totally. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I'll just let everybody know where I am. You yep. can find making moves underscore. It's M-U-V-S, making moves underscore biz for Kairos. That's the podcast that I have. Um, as well, which is a super cool resource. And then at Travis underscore the chiropractor. So if you guys want to find me on social media, that's where it's at. Thanks, Travis. Look forward to the part two. Yep. Thanks, Thanks Travis. Thanks for being a guest on the What Now podcast, man. Peace. Appreciate, appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the What Now podcast. If you took something valuable away, feel free to share it with a friend, post it on your socials, or give us a five-star review. We'll see you all next time. Peace.